This podcast is part of the Telerik Developer Network. Telerik by Progress. Welcome to Eat Sleep Code, the official Telerik podcast. I'm your host, Ed Charbonneau, and with me today is Tara Manisik. How you doing, Tara? Good. How are you, Ed? Not bad. Today, we're going to be talking about bullying and open source software. So I have you on the show today to give us a rundown of what that is exactly and how we can deal with it. Definitely. In the most positive light as I can. <laughs> Uh, before we get started, give us a quick um, introduction of who you are, what you do. So I am one of the developer advocates for progress, and I focus more on Kendall UI for Angular, working with the UI components that we build for Angular, and basically just try to get as much information as I can about all of our components and how amazing they are and easy to use. And it's really fun because basically I get to write code, which I love to do, and share with other developers how to do it and the best way to approach your app ideas using our product, which is another thing that I love to do. Yeah, so we work together on the same team and it is a lot of fun. Like we get to do like cutting edge stuff. We, we get handed software that didn't exist like two days prior and we get to learn it like overnight and then present it as as if we are the professional uh, developer that's been using it for ages right which at that point we are we are the most uh, besides the people that created it we are we are the most uh, comfortable with it right <laughs> yeah we're not put on the spot ever never no way <laughs> So what what can we say about uh, bullying and open source? What how does this you know how did this all come about? So for me, when I first encountered it was basically as soon as I started writing software because the company that I first worked for, we wrote software that we made we made most of it or, or at least like our CLI stuff available on GitHub like through open source. And it's it's same same with with software and basically with anything that you have that you open to the public, whether it's just you know your thoughts on a public panel or a conversation with your friends, or especially open source software, you will immediately get feedback, and be, sometimes it's not very positive. Especially working with software is not the easiest thing to do. Otherwise, everyone would be doing it, right? And so it gets frustrated. Like when you find a bug and you find out that you go through all your steps of debugging, go through all your code, rewrite all your code, try to figure out like, okay, that step worked and you just keep going along the lines. Then you find out it's a problem with the software that you're using. It's easy to get so frustrated. And so you immediately, or most people will immediately tweet or send a message or open an issue. And the first thing on your mind usually isn't, oh, let me remember that the person that wrote this is also a human being that I should interact with civilly. Instead, you're just like, this doesn't work. I'm so mad. <laughs> what did you do to me? <laughs> yeah, I, I've experienced some of this in, in other ways. 
Um, I used to build um, community content for video games, right? Mm. And we used to get like such a lash back from the community on stuff. Like you'd spend hours building like a map or something for a game. And the like hours is probably an underestimate. Yeah. It's like yeah. weeks, months, you know, building this this level for everybody to play. And then the feedback you get is just vile. It's like, yeah. this is like the the worst part of the internet, the darkest alley you could possibly go down type of feedback exactly. on it. Um, and people like totally have no respect for the human element behind it. Yeah. And I think the the thing that's kind of the, the ringer for this is we're software developers, right? So we are problem solvers. So we, you know, when you first start to create software, you go down this path of thinking, okay, what could be wrong with this? You want to catch all these things, you know, that's why there's like TDD, because you want to figure out what could go wrong and account for that. So when you read something from somebody else, like even if it's an idea on something, you know, any, so many blog posts, it's like, this software sucks. <laughs> Start of so many different <laughs> blog posts. Um, and, but as problem solvers, we look to see what the problems are and the part, the part that we should be focusing on is the solving part, not the problem part. And that's where I think we, in software development, we get more of this because we are constantly looking for the problems and the bugs and what could go wrong with this. <laughs> yeah, are there any uh, experiences you've had in the past personally that that you've encountered this or any examples? Oh, definitely. We actually, I'm trying to think of what we were were pushing with one of our Oh, it was, uh, we, so the company I worked for before we, we were basically a node, we started out as node hosting. And so we were basically the infrastructure team for application developers that were developing a node. And we had, we were pooling stuff up for Meteor and the way things were updating, Meteor had a lot of updates and a lot of things weren't always, um, easy to accommodate immediately and we had metered, we had some developers that on the issue they're like this doesn't work what's going on and you know we, we get we get back with them and we were saying you know we're working through this but then it was like this is garbage I'm done with this this company sucks I'm out and I had to just take a deep breath and think yeah what does that feel like to have this not work for you when you're trying to deliver your application, your product that you're trying to give to somebody. And so I basically just wrote back that I do, I understand what is happening. And you know, that's the, what the tagline for most service industry people, write. Oh, I understand the problems you're going through right now. And it's just like, do you, <laughs> <laughs> but, but for, for this situation, I just said, you know, I do, I apologize. I was very happy that they had, that our service had worked for them before and that, you know, we had been able to help them and they did trust us enough to use us. And I did feel really bad that we weren't being able to support them in this situation. So we were like, we were, we were working long hours to get this fixed because we do care about those things. And I, it was really awesome because it was an immediate turnaround from the person who posted that comment before. And they said, you're, I, I know how this feels to work on a software bug and I understand that you all are 
working towards helping us out. I have enjoyed your service before. Thank you for getting back to me. Thanks for working on this, and I will check back in later. And it was like, oh, see, like, people aren't truly jerks. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this comes back around. Like, once, once we think about it and think about each other and remember, you know, it's hard. We're all faceless online. So I think that once we remember these things, it's easy to come around. Yeah, I think there's actually a little silver lining here as well. Um, and that is whatever you're working on, if you're getting this kind of feedback, then you, you've probably crossed over into territory where your project is actually popular. So that's yeah. probably a good thing. Um, a lot of stuff that I worked on in my earlier days, like it was private within the company. We didn't even have code reviews. So everything I wrote kind of stayed like private to myself. My, my toughest critic was me. Um, mm -hmm. And if it broke, then it was on me. Um, and then, you know, I started doing some open source stuff, but nothing that ever gained enough popularity to have that kind of, uh, you know, large amounts of feedback coming in. Um, so it's been, you know, in the recent past, maybe five years or something, I've had to deal with some of these things. I first thought about this because um, I, I had dealt with it so much and it was James Kyle that came out with an article talking, it's called Dear JavaScript. And he he helped write Babel and Yarn and a few other open source projects. And he was, he basically was just saying that this is, this kind of attention, this negativity that happens around open source projects is what makes open source code so hard to maintain because it's just a constant feed of negativity and people, you know, bashing your code and bashing what you work on. And, you know, that's an, another issue with open source code is a lot of people aren't getting paid to do this. And so you're basically putting your efforts into something that you do love to do, that you enjoy. But imagine like going into work every day and, outside of your door into your office are people just saying like, oh, you suck. This is awful. You're the worst. And you're just like, oh, I'm doing this for free, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're volunteering your time for people to be mad at you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and then the other, <laughs> the other part of that too, um, I think um, Sam Sockany just tweeted about this the other day. And I think I have it here. Yeah. It's, he said, Unlike in nature, in the context of software, pressure and time do not yield diamonds, just piles of, and then he has the poop emoji. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, it's a good point. It's like, you, you have all this pressure and negativity around you. How, how does that affect the code that you're making? Yeah, you know, I'll go back to uh, examples from when I was, I was building... Um, you know, game content. Like I was big into Counter-Strike back in the day and I'd play like nonstop and I was like, it'd be fun to make some levels for this. Like people enjoy, you know, downloading these custom levels and playing on them. That looks like it'd be a lot of fun. And then after the first few that I produced, like people are just so hateful. <laughs> and it's, like you said, it's you're not getting paid for this stuff. It's like something I wanted to do for fun and then people play it and they're like, this is the worst level ever. This doesn't look realistic. You're stupid. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, it's, it's funny because, you know, we know people who make 
blog articles like this, but there's, uh, I think it was Drew Hamlet that had the biggest reaction. His was uh, the, the sad state of, I think it was the sad state of web development. Yeah. And it was basically just going through and just trashing so much of the JavaScript community and the code coming out of the JavaScript community. And the biggest thing about stuff like that is, is it constructive? You know, are you are you spending your energy to help solve these problems or make a difference or make things better? Or are you just putting all that energy towards towards the negativity of it, of just making this cloud around things? It's it's actually, uh, have you heard of, there's a thing actually called negativity bias, basically that we as humans tend to focus more on negative, but it's even like cognitively, we spend more effort on negative things. And they did a study where it was flashcards of all different colors and they would have a negative or a positive trait or characteristic or denotation on them. And they tracked how long it took them to say what the color was with each of those different traits on them. And the ones with the negative traits on them, it took them longer and they had more eye blinks, which I didn't realize before is when you have more eye blinks, they've associated that with more cognitive effort or more cognitive work, which I think is hilarious because every time you think of somebody being kind of dumb, you think of somebody like blinking a lot. (laughs) So it's just the opposite. They're thinking really hard or maybe they just need more effort. It's not like the human equivalent to like the hard drive light like flashing while you think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or when you used to hear the hard drive just like grind away. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, so we do, it does, it does affect us. Negativity does affect us. And we spend to, we tend to spend more time on negativity. And I think you see that a lot in our communities, unfortunately. So do you think there's any type of fix as a community or is this something that you need to handle one-on-one with the person who's maybe trolling or not being nice with their or not constructive with their comments? Yeah, and I think a lot of times I've dealt with this in a way that I would in person because I think when you try to imagine being face-to-face with a person, like if you, like personally, if I'm in a group of people and somebody says something that I think is wrong or disrespectful, whether to me or somebody else, unless it's a funny situation where I can call them out and it's, it's funny and lighthearted, if it's serious, I don't do it in front of the group. So when, you know, I've had tweets before that were mean-spirited on group threads and instead of approaching, you know, reply all basically, I would send a direct message to the person and not make it a matter of them being a jerk, but more of what they said. Why, why was it wrong? Why was it negative? Because a lot of times you say it's hard to really understand how your words are going to affect somebody. And I think that if we if we manage it in a way of, again, remembering, you know, that whole empathy thing, I think it's something that we, that should catch on because it's really cool. But if we, if we focus on people as people, I think that would help a ton. 
So treating people as people is the first step, right? So, you know, you can't dehumanize the other person on the the either end of the the uh, piece of work, right? The person that's leaving the comment or the person that's doing the actual work. Exactly. And I think that especially when you look at it that way and looking at the fact that there are two people on the ends of these things, it's another case where empathy comes up and how important that is. And I think one thing that would aid in helping people realize what's going on and understanding the whole picture is to contribute. So a lot of us use open source software how many times have you made a pull request? Have you contributed in some way and put your time and effort into it? And maybe that gives you the different viewpoint to be able to see where people like the maintainers are coming from and help you empathize with them when things don't exactly go perfectly. Not that they don't always go perfectly. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned like, you know, both ends of the conversation because I've seen this go the other way as well. Where people are like, "Hey, I, you know, I have a problem, and I'm reporting this issue because I'm trying to, you know, maybe bind data to this control that you created." And the person that owns the project's response is, "Well, submit a pull request after you fix it." Yeah, <laughs> and it's. I think it's it's hard not to have you know imagine getting that complaint while you're knee deep in so many other complaints and. You're just like, well, who's helping me? You know, I'm helping you with this software. Who's helping me? So, yeah, I'm sure you get snippy comments back and forth because along with remembering that we're all people, it's, it's, it's one of those things as a human, you can't exactly be on your best behavior at all times and not let things get to you. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Internet's, brought out the best and worst of people i mean if you look at like youtube comments is like the bottom of the barrel right Uh, we definitely don't want that kind of interaction on our github projects yeah and i and i think that another thing that would really help to help people understand basically is not only getting involved in the online community in your your community on github but also meet other coders in your actual community, in your neighborhoods, going to different meetup study groups or other different resources. I know that we have, uh, I help run the Node School user group here and I do the Women Who Code and we do a Women Who Code Together every month. And it's interesting to just talk face-to-face with other programmers. And you can also air your grievances with these people in person and get other feedback that's not just, you know, the echo chamber that exists in your head of, you know, ruminating on this things that are stopping your progress and work. And I think that that helps a lot, especially with when you're working with open source software on your own in your own house and you're the only one <laughs> talking to yourself about these things. <laughs> yeah. It's at the end of the day, you want you want quality feedback because you actually want to improve whatever it is you're working on. So it's important to try to get to the root of the problem rather than you know, receiving comments like, this thing sucks, doesn't give you any context of 
you know, what the problem is or how you can fix it and make it better, right? Yeah. Yeah. Productivity instead of negativity. <laughs> but I think that it's also a, a lot of people talk about how how you want to I'm trying I'm trying to put this into the most cohesive thought but it's basically when you when you're putting in the effort to make these comments and you're putting your time into posting these things it's good to look at constructiveness without that negative spin so you can say these things of of what needs to be fixed and in a manner that's, you know, straight to the point, that's very forward and not be mean about it. Like, I think that's one of the simplest ways to make this better is just what needs fixed. Like, not about who is awful at coding and you have no idea what they're thinking and how dare they ruin your code base with such awful things. <laughs> but just like, hey, this doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, I think... You know, showing a sense of urgency can be done without being rude. So, you know, you can say that you have a deadline coming up, you know, in a week. Um, you know, also things that help are including like reproductions of the problem. Like, this is how I came about the problem. Like, this is how you reproduce the bug, uh, that sort of thing. And then, Definitely. you know, when you receive that type of feedback, don't say, okay, great, submit a pull request. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, maybe maybe put some time into trying to like one of my old coworkers, uh, Jack Boberg, implemented a thing where when you would create an issue in your pull request, you would make the failing test, like the test that it fails and why to prove why it doesn't work. But then also the developer would have could add that test into their test suite to know that every time this happens, this would fail, and now they have a fix for it. So there's so many things that you can do that are so productive and constructive. It's if you if you take the time or use your time in a better in a better way. Yeah, you could probably um, make use of your uh, markdown files in a GitHub project as well, and leave instructions for people on how to leave feedback or. Um, submit issues, you know, give them some guidance. Um, I've seen a lot of that done with uh, how to contribute to a project. That's yeah. very helpful. Like if you're going to contribute to the project, you know, create a branch with this naming scheme and uh, submit a pull request and make sure you have a test written for X, Y, and Z. Like I've seen that. So it's not too far-fetched to say, if you're going to submit an issue, please try to follow this format. And, and again, like with maintainers, they can do things to help involve the community, to get help from the community. I know a lot of uh, different projects I see have help wanted tags or labels on issues where they know they won't have time to immediately get to that issue, but they know it's important and it's something that they would like help with. So it's easy enough to add labels to certain things that when people want to come and contribute, they can go to those help wanted labels and you know, submit work for that. Yeah, that's a really cool idea. I like that. We can all work together. <laughs> <laughs> so Tara, are there any um, personal projects that you're working on that you would like to talk about or any um, groups that you're involved in? Yeah, so one thing we're actually doing, I helped uh, start the Women Who Code branch in Cincinnati 
a bit over a year now, which is really exciting. Cincinnati, Ohio, to be clear, <laughs> is uh, the, the tech scene is is growing more and more these days, and so we're celebrating International Women's Day on March eighth with a screening of Code Debugging the Gender Gap, which is an awesome documentary that you should check out if you have the time. So I would just like to help promote. Uh, organizations in everybody's area. It's Women Who Code is a worldwide organization. It's a nonprofit, and it basically focuses on women who are already in the in the coding or programming field or tech in general, and offers free workshops for them to continue learning. And anybody can go to these workshops, and it's a really great resource for people out there who never stop learning, which I think. Uh, is almost all programmers ever. <laughs> yeah, this stuff is um, really important to me as well. I've got four daughters, so. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I oh. appreciate the work that the ladies are doing to uh, make the workplace a better place for them in the future. So I like to to help promote these type of things and and get people involved as much as possible. So how how else can people um, get involved in in the group or um, you know, uh, submit some content or whatever it is you guys need? A lot of the things that help are definitely donations, which you can specify your local branch in the notes to who you want to donate your funds to or reach out to the director of that area. But also we're always looking for people who want to teach a workshop. The biggest thing that we like is is being able to learn and keep up to date with current code and basically enhance what we know with the continuing of our education and our support. And also, we're always looking for sponsors. And basically, that just entails having a place where people can watch a speaker. So a just either a large TV or some sort of projection and a room for with Wi-Fi and snacks. So any of those things would be much appreciated. Awesome. Yeah, sponsorship always helps an event of any kind, you know, get up and, and moving, whether it's, like you said, space or food. Uh, those things are terribly important. So get out there and Especially support your meetup groups <laughs> and uh, uh, girls who code, women who code. Uh, those are great groups to help support as well. So reach out and do some sponsoring people. It's it's good stuff. Definitely. We appreciate it greatly. So Tara, I wanted to say thank you again for coming on the show. Do you have a personal blog or uh, where can we find your information at? So I, you can find me at Twitter at TZManix. That's T-Z-M-A-N-I-C-S. And that's the same, tzmanics.com, for all my personal information. And thank you very much for having me, Ed. This was awesome. Absolutely. Uh, it's nice to uh, be working with you. I know you're a new addition to the team. So <laughs> it's uh, great to finally uh, get to sit down and talk to you on the podcast. Agreed. So I used to work... I used to do customer service for a company that rents out um, uh, equipment to like trucks and stuff like that. I don't mm -hmm. want to say the name of the company because 
It's it's not a positive experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so use you know any kind of customer service is it's pretty much the topic that we were talking about uh, mm-hmm. in relation to open source, right? It's it's somewhat on lines of customer service, like servicing pull requests and and uh, comments, uh, you know, feedback issues, all that stuff. So I worked for this company doing um, customer service, and you want to talk about being dehumanized. Some of the calls that you get on that thing were just uh, abysmal. I bet. So I remember really well. I had this one little old lady, and she sounded so sweet on the phone. And she's she's telling me that she rented her truck, and there was a problem, and. I was trying to help her resolve it. I think actually she reserved it and the reservation wasn't honored. And mm-hmm. like I, I got her in touch with like the corporate office and all this stuff. And I thought everything was going well, right? Nice <laughs> little old lady. She's like, thank you. You have a nice day. And before the phone like the receiver clicks, I hear her drop the F-bomb at me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my>. Holy <laughs> Like Jekyll and Hyde right there, right? Oh, totally. (laughs) Which, I mean, to be fair, you probably want it in that order instead of, like, her cussing you out on the phone and then later, like, before she hangs up, like, but he was such a nice gentleman, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. She's like, F you, click. I'm like, holy man. I did not see that coming. Like <laughs> that's hilarious. And it's funny because so I worked I've had so I've had a ton of different jobs before. I actually, you know, I'm kind of a uh, a non-traditional student. I started later. And so I did all kinds of service jobs and I was they I was always the person they put in customer service because it, like when I was younger, I just put on that that fake face of just like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, pardon our mess, kind of thing. <laughs> and and never it wasn't. It was like it was so rarely genuine. And I look back on that now, like, oh, it would have just taken you a little. Like, come on, you don't have to be that way. And you know, the kind of person who brings like the manager in a restaurant that comes out and just like, oh yes, my server is so dumb, you know. And and then they go back and say the same thing about you. But yeah. Yeah, the service industry that'll prepare you for for all kinds of fun things but now when i call people on the phone because something goes wrong i i completely just here's the issue i know that you know you're not the one controlling this but this really needs to get fixed and what's the best way to go about it and oh man i'm just yeah. picturing maybe that it should that be mandatory lady. like before you're allowed to like leave youtube comments maybe you should be required to work in customer service somewhere in some industry. doesn't matter where. Exactly. I think that's true for a lot of things. Like that's, that's a big, one of my go-tos is just, you know, it's that saying, you know, have you walked in their shoes? But it's true for a lot of these things that you want to just, you know, who hasn't called, I could name a bunch of different phone and cable companies, but you're just like, it's it's infuriating and people just need to see it from from both ends but that's one that's that's also i think uh why i wanted to talk about people saying like oh you just need to have a thicker skin <laughs> and it's like okay but i'm sure there are times when you have not had a thicker skin like maybe it's not with coding like maybe it's not with your software but come on buddy like there's got to have been a time when your 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 skin wasn't as thick as it should have been. 
Yeah, working in customer service will give you thick skin. Like when that's all you're dealing with for eight hours a day, oh five gosh. days a week. Um, you know, you you kind of you you turn the tables and like you dehumanize the other end of the line. Like you have to. You can't. Uh, you can't sympathize with everyone because it's just nonstop like assault of either angry people or people that you truly want to help and just can't. So, oh yeah, um, it was quite the experience. Like I had all kinds of bizarre things happen, <laughs> and you name it. Like um, two guys rented a truck, right? Uh-huh. And they they took and moved all of their stuff. Well, they drove the truck to the destination. Um, they were getting ready to on offload all their stuff, and each guy gets on either end of a gigantic big screen TV. Oh, so picture two people getting out of a moving truck walking around to the back, opening the gate, picking up this giant TV, and then the truck drives away with all their stuff in it. Oh, oh my <laughs> gosh. It was the actual call that oh, I got. Oh my goodness. Like, it's like a Mr. Bean episode. Like, yeah. Most of my calls were hang up the phone and call the police because this is not <laughs> something that we're capable of helping you with. Oh my and goodness. And then you're trying not to, you know, you're trying not to laugh because it, if you picture that in your head, it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's but, what my sister-in-law yeah. is a dispatcher. And she tells me, like, oh, I have to send you this link. It's, uh, I think it was in the New Yorker. And it's a story. And it starts out with, like, you know, 911, what's your emergency? And the guy's like, I'm working from home. <laughs> and it just starts, like, it's like, okay, sir, when's the last time you saw another human? <laughs> I have to send you this again. But, yeah, I think that... Uh, those situations are just priceless because because you're the person, right? You were the person that they're like, when something goes wrong, call this guy. And they're yeah. like, okay, something has gone wrong. I need to call Ed. And just like, so what? This is like a true story. <laughs> Several times per week, if not per day, I would get this call. Remember, this is a moving truck company. Uh-huh. I would get a call. I came home from work. All my stuff is gone, and my girlfriend left me a letter. Where did this truck go? Oh, no. And oh, like, no. <laughs> I can't give you that information. I'm sorry. I mean, this person is irate. Like, you cannot help them. It's personal information you're not allowed to give away. Oh, my but gosh. either their wife, girlfriend, or boyfriend has cleaned out their house, packed it all up in a moving truck, and left them without notice. Like, oh, they did not see this coming. Oh, my gosh. And this was literally maybe my f- second call that I got when I was there. And I thought it was training because it was so ridiculous to me yeah. that they would call <laughs> me first. And I, I worked through the issue thinking, like, you know, somebody, you know, my boss is the one Somebody's on the other end of testing me. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, the next night I got another one. And then, like, two nights later I got another one. And I'm like, oh, my God. How many people think this is a good idea <laughs> that they're doing this so often? Um, You're, that's I just I just can't imagine that. But they they probably think too that that like you have to give it to them, which yeah. you have no there you don't. <laughs> yeah, and I mean they're furious because they're like I know she's got all my stuff, and. I, I say she, I'm sorry, it's not a bias, true to fact, <laughs> like this was mostly men calling, 
I don't know why. <laughs> Probably because most of the women like knew well enough to think ahead and plan this far in advance. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> um, you know. But in- did you come on? Did you ever cave? Did you ever cave and were like, okay, I feel really bad for you, buddy. <laughs> oh, you absolutely cannot. For one, for one, it's I, I don't know if it's a legal issue or not, but it's you're gotta be, not right? to. But you you don't know the situation, so that yeah. person could be running for their life. You don't know. Yeah. Like, this person could be abusing them or hurting them yeah. or threatening to kill them. And yeah. And they're like, okay, I'm heading out of town when you're at work. So, yeah, oh you definitely can share that information with them. So That's yeah, that so was, crazy. There was some really bizarre stuff. Um, another another good one was um, these these people called. They said they're driving down the road. They're still driving, and they're on the phone telling me that they're looking in the rearview mirror, and the tow behind that they had their their car on the tow behind mm-hmm. trailer. So like when you you move, sometimes you carry your car on the back, like yeah. a little um, tow behind trailer. Mm-hmm. The car's gone. The trailer's <laughs> still there, but the car's gone. Oh, and they're still. You can tell they're still driving. Like. You, you hear cars over. passing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, because they're they're like you know maybe we should turn right here and exit and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, you're still on the road. Like you're still driving. Like you're looking at the mirror right now, telling yeah, me your car is missing. And you haven't stopped yet. <laughs> they're like, I don't get it. There's a big traffic accident behind me. I don't, I don't know what's going on. And I then feel you're like... thinking to yourself, like, how am I supposed to help you? Yeah, exactly. Like what? <laughs> You're on the phone with me. All we did is rented you the thing. And you're telling us the car is gone. Like, what are we supposed to do for you at this point? I feel like you could do a whole nother podcast episode on common sense. (laughs) I could do one uh, all on just the calls that I got. But like I said, I didn't want to derail the conversation. (laughs) 